Accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Continuing our run through Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Right now we're up to the episode called Behind the Lines. It's the fourth episode of the sixth season. Aired on October 20th, 1997. Written by Rene Echevarria. Directed by LeVar Burton. In this episode, when Kira's resistance cell learns that the Dominion will soon be bringing down the Federation's minefields, they plot to hinder the enemy's progress. But matters are complicated when the female changeling arrives on Tarek Noor and pays Odo a visit. Meanwhile, Captain Sisko is relieved of command of the Defiant while Jadzia Dax commands it on a mission. We're joined by Clay. Clay, how are you? I'm good. I'm not feeling great about this resistance movement, though, because apparently in between episodes, um, Jake joined. Well, it he, makes he, me feel like they were like, Jake, <laughs> you don't want any part of this, uh, Kira. We've only got, like, it's just you and me. It's like, ah, ah Damn call it. Jake. Call Jake. Call me. Yeah, because that's right. They did decline him in the last episode at the bar, didn't they? They said, no, no, Jake, you don't want any part of this. This is too dangerous. And <laughs> apparently danger in the resistance cell is sitting around comfortably in people's uh, apartment <laughs> buildings talking yeah. about the resistance. I think the um, the resistance is always kind of goofy in this. In the 24th century Dominion authoritarian rule, there's no surveillance state whatsoever. Uh, mm-hmm. They're all changelings and stuff, but people are freely talking about what they want to do to resist. It's, it's like it's like they had a co-ed softball team and then they realized they were down one person. They're like, fuck, <laughs> call Jake. <laughs> Get him in here. He's still not published. Let's take a break. We're going to play an audio clip and me and Claire are going to come back. We're going to break down behind the lines. I just got word. Captain Bennett's promotion has come through. At my recommendation, Starfleet's putting her in charge of 7th Tactical Wing. She's one of the best adjutants I've ever had. A strong grasp of strategy and ability to see the big picture. Sounds like it's not going to be easy to find someone to take her place. I already have. You. Sir? I've been very impressed with you over these past few weeks. I think we would make a good team. Thank you, sir. Your new assignment is effective immediately. Immediately, sir? What about the Argolis mission? Commander Dax will captain the Defiant. She is up to it, isn't she? Oh, absolutely, sir. I guess I'd just gotten used to the idea of commanding the mission myself. All right. So, Clay, this is, um, I guess I'll start this just by saying that the, uh, you know, this is one of those, this serialized arc that gets a lot of um, accolades and things like that and sort of trend setting and stuff like that. I I think it's interesting going through these episodes and seeing how the DS9 writers are kind of learning how to serialize while they're also... Uh, still doing episodic TV as like a baseline. So they're mm-hmm. they're racing around behind the scenes. There's all these kind of production stories about the writers where like, you know, the episodes are getting shifted around. The writers are have to like run between rooms to say like, where are your characters in your story? Like, where are they going at the end of your story? Where, where am I going when this gets here? And I think they've done a pretty good job. Although I think behind the lines is interesting to me because behind the lines feels at the same time, like the most modern episode they've done while it also feels like a very, very Star Trek-y episode at the same time. And I, I'll throw it over to you just by saying that um, I also didn't realize, and this kind of ties into what I just said, The uh, on, in retrospect, the DS9 storyline in this arc is far superior to any of the Starfleet storylines, except for maybe Rocks and Shoals. Um, 
That seems to be a recurring theme. I'm very happy when we spend time on the station, but when we're seeing what Cisco and the others are up to uh, not on the station, it always feels a little bit of a letdown. Yeah. Um, well, I think that there's not uh, there's not really a lot of character stuff going on with Cisco and everybody else, right? It's just... But you, it's I just, guess you could argue this whole that, that whole plot is a Cisco character story. I just don't think that yeah. it's very good. It, like it, I don't think the Cisco storyline ever establishes really what Cisco thinks about all of this. It's just kind of the cliche. Every captain in Star Trek always has the thing where they go through the, the command is taken away from them and how do they react to it? And they all react very similar to each other. Yeah, and this yeah. is Cisco's go at that. And I just don't think that, like I, what I was saying at the start about it being like the most episodic, but the most modern, the Cisco storyline feels the most like it's the worst attempt at a serialized story. Like it feels like you should have been threading something the entire arc with what Cisco's going through. I yeah. was even thinking like Dax should Dax isn't the right character to take command. Like if this was a modern series, you'd have the young up and comer who's sort of like yes. hot for command, yeah. and and Cisco's kind of realizing the time is passing him by, just like the uh, the guy in um the motion picture. The uh, yeah, yeah, Decker, Decker. Like you need that kind of a character, and Dax doing it. Besides the fact that I don't find Terry Farrell to be a great command leader uh, in her acting, it, it doesn't. I don't think that Cisco really has much of a conflict here. It's like he's like, "Damn, I really want to be out there." Uh, stuck at the job though, can't go out with my buddies. <laughs> and it's like that's not a very good wartime story for where they are in this arc. Yeah, it feels like it should be someone who's well. I mean, if you look at the people who are available. You're not going to give it to Bashir. You're not going to give it to O'Brien. You're uh, you can't give it to Worf because Worf isn't there, right? Yep. Is he somewhere else? He's on the uh, Klingon ship at this point. He's separate from everybody. Yeah. So the only and you can't give it to Kira because Kira's on uh, Tarek Noir. Uh, you can't give it to Odo because he's there too. There's no one really left who is a recurring character. To Nog. Give it to uh, Nog. Clay. <laughs> Nog <laughs> Sorry, is excuse there. Excuse me. Yes. Um, so in that sense, it makes sense to give it to Dax, but I agree. I mean, if, if I had my choice, I would probably give it to Worf, um, because I don't feel like, uh, Dax presents any sort of interesting counterpoint to Cisco as far as like what a commander would look like or what a captain would look like. Yeah. Um, other than just like. She is also there while he is there in the same room and up. It's it's funny how they both respond to when they say captain. Well, do, do whereas, you think, sorry, yeah, go ahead. Well, whereas Worf has sort of an ethos, and you you would assume that the way that he would take command would be could could theoretically be um, stylistically different and uh, possibly. Uh, abrasive to Cisco in certain ways. So that, mm. I think that would be more interesting. And I think that's what the, the problem is with the Cisco thing is it's just, yeah, it's a character arc, I guess, but it's not, there's nothing like really pressing against him or causing him conflict. Like the, it, he's just kind of there and it's like, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm guess I'm sitting behind a desk for, for now. Yeah. Well, I think it's all, it's internal to a fault. Almost like I don't yeah. I don't even know if the script thinks that the reason Cisco's upset is because it's the young up and comer that they think Dax is taking his place. Like I I don't I think that's part of it. Like him watching Dax kind of makes it feel that way. But it feels more like he just wants to go back to doing that. But it, he doesn't put up a fight about his new position at all. So right. is Cisco is Cisco's position in this just that he thinks that he realizes he is in the best place to help as like a field admiral, basically, and step away from the defiance. 
and he just misses the action? Or is there... I just feel that's not enough. Like, if he wanted that, yeah. I feel like he should voice that opinion about how he's unhappy sort of here uh, behind a desk. But instead, we just get scenes of him rubbing his face as he's waiting for the Defiant to come back. And it just, yes. it doesn't, it's it's not good enough. Like, in a, in a serialized modern story, I think that would build over the season. And yeah. you'd see Cisco getting a little bit more and more frustrated by, like, being behind the desk and the, and the bureaucracy. And he can't, ha- I almost said patriarchy. And the bureaucracy <laughs> uh, is, like, weighing him down. And he just wants to go out there and be on the front lines of this war. And they don't do that. So it's this episodic problem where they cram this little Cisco story into an episode. But it does not feel like it has enough room to breathe to really mean anything. And it ends up yeah, with I me don't... wondering what it was all for. Yeah, I don't even think, like... I. The, even the the up and young upstart up and comer thing definitely doesn't come through. I think the only reason that you would go there is if you're projecting it on there because that's how they usually do it. Like you said, yes, right? Um, especially because I mean, he and Dax have a relationship where he literally calls her old man, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it kind of takes any youthfulness out of out of her ascending in the ranks. Yes, uh, but yeah, there's no there's no conflict for him other than the lack of conflict. And I guess that's sort of a weird way to look at it, where it's like, well, his conflict is is lack of conflict. And that's where his, you know, it's like, okay, cool, great. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't exactly make for riveting television, unfortunately. It, it did away with the, um, we were not on the Defiant Well, it went somewhere, though. We yeah, were, they just, they, we didn't even see it this time. <laughs> do you think that was a problem with this? Like, is that... Do do we need to see what's happening on the Defiant to get a better glimpse into Cisco? Not that Cisco has to be on there, but like it. I don't. I don't know. It felt. It felt weird. It. It almost felt like that storyline needed to see the Defiance thing that they were going through and Cisco's role sort of crossed against each other. Like you would get rid of the other DS Nine plots and you would just play off Cisco being in this like mind numbing boredom uh, versus mm-hmm. what the Defiant is undergoing. I. I, I don't know if it's I, necessary, but no. I think what they probably needed to do was have Cisco try to do stuff and ultimately be pushed down by whatever bureaucracy he is now a part of. Oh, I see. Like, so you see more you know, of the Admiralty Starfleet angle instead yeah, of just we don't we don't need to see another thing of the Defiant going off and destroying whatever. But I mean if 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 they wanted to show Cisco trying to help out with the mission from back at the station in some way, whether it was like fielding communicate, you know what I mean? Like yeah. him trying to be involved in this thing where the Admiral's like, bro, bro, just chill out. You know, it's, it's fine. Uh, go do X, Y, and Z. We need you here checking files or something. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that kind yeah. of thing where he's, he's being, even though he's technically been promoted, he is ultimately kind of impotent as far as the, the, the engagement in the in the in the conflict because i mean he's still you know anytime they talk about con- the conflict or the possibility of blowing up people he's like nice you know like <laughs> i think people, he even does nice. in this episode where they talk about that and he's like i cannot wait to kill everything <laughs> so he's got he's got like some skin in the game as far as wanting to get out there so you would think chaining him to a desk uh, you know, much like the Dick Tracy movie, yeah. would be uh, very uh, stressful and and cause him to push back. And maybe he does that. I don't know if he stays in this position. Maybe it gets there. But here, they didn't do a very good job of of establishing that he is feeling left out or feeling you know held back in some sense. Yes, I'd agree with that. I, think I mean, that- as much as as much as Worf needs to be reassured that the wedding will happen. <laughs> 
Worf is like the can... worst mother-in-law character of all time in this. He's he's upset. He's talking. He's taking up important communication time talking about the wedding. Just very worried about it. Very worried. But Captain, I've already bought the flowers. <laughs> the florist came in, and this asshole told me that he wasn't didn't have tulips available. I was like, "What well, Klingon <laughs> Ractagino is going to be up there? You need some tulips." Um, I think that the the problem with the what what I think that they should have probably done is if you if you split if you end up splitting time between the Defiant and Cisco, right? Like I think what they're trying to say here is that the crew is a kind of family that Cisco is leaving behind, which is a very Star Trekky thing. That's always been like yeah. a point of that breakup. And uh, Cisco King, I'm hang- surprised they didn't have a scene where the Admiral's like, you know, Ben, you are getting older, and he's like, oh, age. <laughs> The one thing that every Starfleet captain must eventually address in order to get the accolades that you, they deserve from the viewing public. Bullets, once the my ch- only weakness. Yeah, once once I start to acknowledge how old I am, that's when the fans start saying I'm doing my best work. <laughs> Give me a new jacket and uh, a little bit more of a froey haircut. Do you have any glasses I can wear? Those always help. I think if you cut back and forth between the Defiant... And you played off of this family thing and the Defiance going through this exciting sort of mission or whatever. And you maybe don't need to see all of it. But then you cut back and forth to Cisco being inundated by the bureaucracy. I think a good way to approach it is kind of similar to showing the Federation as somewhat similar to the Vorta from the last, Kievan, the Vorta from the last episode, where Mm -hmm. the Defiant can be embroiled in this like foots on the ground fight. And Starfleet is aware of what's going on, but Cisco is now in the bureaucracy that has to be the uh, unfeeling, like number crunching aspect of war management, where mm. Starfleet is sort of willing to sacrifice the Defiant, or, or, or like they they kind of aren't they don't have the attachment that Cisco does to this crew. So Cisco feels like a fish out of water and is ineffective in his role as that kind of liaison or uh, admiral role or whatever you want to look yeah. at it. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Um, the good part of the story is the DS9 stuff. Do you what do you mm-hmm. want to do you want to open this uh, talk about the Odo, Kira and uh, Nog storyline where there's the resistance is strong. Well, first of all, I think Odo has to be a little bit more uh uh keep that shit on the DL a little bit more and not literally say Kira, I'll see you at the resistance meeting later. <laughs> It's very open. It's like, very open. It's like some someone being like, "Are you coming to the murder planning party later?" They're they're so open uh, with the talk of what's going on that the female changeling doesn't even shapeshift to hide. She just hides behind the wall in the next yeah. room. And comes out <laughs> is like, "I heard everything. Thank you." Oh yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I, I thought that stuff was really good. I really like the Kira versus Odo dynamic that they're that they've been playing with. Um, I thought the scenes with Odo and the founder were kind of forgettable. Um, Like, I appreciate what they're doing, and I appreciate where it ends up, but I don't know. It just seemed like the two of them, anytime that they were talking, it was just a lot of the same, you know, changeling mumbo-jumbo that they use all the time. It wasn't... I wasn't really getting anything out of it except for more talk of, like, oh, I feel... I feel separated from the link. Well, you must link with us so you can feel one. And, oh, we are one, but we are many. So, yeah. yes, but we are many, but we are also one. It's yep. very cool. You know, it was it was just a – it didn't seem like they had a lot to offer from those scenes. Um, but um, 
I t- it is it is really funny to think of Odo being late for work essentially because he's in his room jerking off. <laughs> <laughs> Odo, pick up the phone, Odo. Odo. You've been locked in the bathroom for an hour and a half. <laughs> Basically, he's um yeah, he's getting he's getting uh he's getting his rocks off. Uh, he's turning into a rock and all that. The the changeling thing, I think I'd agree that when these two get together, they typically just talk about changeling, like what it's like to be a changeling kind of stuff. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that's really the important aspect of the changeling. So it's kind of weird that they stick with it. I know that they want to show that Odo is like very interested in what it means to be a changeling. And he doesn't really have any understanding of what it means, how they act and things like that. But I think that the, I think that the most important aspect of the changeling is, is the link still here, which Mm -hmm. they, they stress a lot. Um, to varying degrees of effectiveness, they, they kind of get away with these. Uh, they write in the line note is like, don't worry, I didn't let her le- read my thoughts this time. Uh, so she doesn't yeah. know about the resistance cell. They had to kind of putter around that. But I, I bet he thinks strippers like him, too. <laughs> that waitress is really, really likes me. The, I think that the, the Odo, that storyline works for me just out of a fact of like I think that the I think that they play the changelings kind of subtly there and it's another uh, feather in the hat of the show that where I think that they do the same with Wei Yun where you're never quite sure what he thinks or like how he's acting and like what he's trying to do ultimately I feel like the changelings here are kind of the same where I get the sense that she's manipulating Odo to uh, cause him to come to their side and sort of disrupt this resistance cell that's growing but at the same time I think they also sell the, jo- the job that the changelings kind of need the link. Like the link is very important to them. Mm. And I, I do believe that she came to DS9 at least partially to link with another changeling because of what they seem to get out of it. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's good there. Like she, she's not a mustache twirling villain where she's clearly just doing this for her own ends. I think they do a good job of making it more subtle than that. Yeah. Um, yeah, they. Uh, I I feel like they kind of forget where Odo stands sometimes, because like I was surprised that he was so into it so quickly, uh, and and not a little bit more dismissive. I guess they did have that discussion where he was like, "Hey, you turned me into a solid," and she was like, "It was what we had to do." I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I think he's also um, he he's supposed to be at his lowest point because of the Kira angle too, right? He's being driven yeah. to do this because. He's so frustrated by the Kira situation. He has that line about like, when we disagree, it ruins my whole day. When we have a mild disagreement, Mm. it ruins my whole day. So Mm -hmm. I think he's, I think they do a good job of showing why he would want to link. I think the problem is that the link has never been portrayed this addictively before. Like he links with himself in the Children of Time episode, which is how he learns that he killed everybody to save Kira. Um, Which I think is a fantastic lead in. Linking with himself. (laughs) It's, it's, I'll do it myself, Mom. Um, I, which I, the Children of Time thing actually feeds into this one pretty well because I think Children of Time Odo's decision is the same decision he makes here, where mm. Odo's always going to uh, try to do what's best. Odo will always do what's best for him to an extent that it kind of becomes a little bit morally queasy for the other characters. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of surprised that he wasn't more. Um, 
against it or at least like a smarter about it like and i know i know that they're playing him as he, they were starting to play him like a like a like a drug addict sort of where he's like getting kind of shaky and he's like i i don't know i mean i i i, I haven't linked with anyone in so long you know yeah, yeah um but i feel like he's still the kind of character who would recognize why that might be a bad idea um so you think that they, the show hasn't sold the dominions enticing of odo quite well enough I would agree with that. I think that I think Odo's arc through this six episode arc has been a little bit strange. He's been neutered for a reason mm. that I don't really understand. And he comes across yeah. as a little bit more weak willed than he previously was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think what I did like is that uh, the the idea that I was I was talking about previously with Kira, where she was kind of being seduced by that side, they seem to kind of be pushing Odo down that route. Which I think is 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 interesting because he's not really the one you would expect to be to be to go that way, but he has shown uh, more tendencies to sort of play the middle of the field. Yeah. Um, which you know, if if you if you catch him on on the right angle, uh, he might end up going down the the wrong path and not even realize it. Um, which is, I think, kind of what they're doing here. Uh, but even so, yeah, I, I, I feel like he's definitely been neutered and the fact that he doesn't realize that, you know, he doesn't fight against his, his, uh, nature at all, his, his changeling nature really. Yeah. He's just sort of like bemoaning the fact that he is a changeling and, you know, can never be loved or whatever. Um, and then just goes for it. And like, he doesn't really consider that yeah I, I mean part of you just had this conversation about when you link with changelings it it's they are all part of the same being uh so you would assume that you would be handing over a lot of secrets to this person or this this other uh this body who you are currently involved in a war yeah with. They, they she says why bother talking let's just link and immediately know yeah. what we're talking about yeah yeah so i'm surprised that he he doesn't even like consider that or if he does they don't really spend any time on it um i have that one scene like you were saying with him and kira where he's like oh i didn't i didn't tell her anything this time but right it's yeah. like yeah it's a little too late for me i i think but the- i mean at the same time i don't know i mean i guess you could argue that that's on purpose you know maybe it, are they i it's tough because if you say it's on purpose then i feel like it's a little bit it's out of character for him if what's on um, purpose his shift. Uh, if if yeah, if him being uh, reckless in that way with with the founder to link with with the founder without considering how that might be handing over secrets or you know at the very least ex- exposing the resistance or whatever, um, if if that's a, if that is a decision made on purpose by the writers to have him act recklessly, then it's like well I don't know that seems really out of character for him I and could... a way that doesn't seem super. Uh, um, earned isn't the right word, but he's not really known to do that. So, I I could see that if the, if Odo went in with a I'm going to link because I can gain information about her from it, yeah. and she mm-hmm. comes out as the superior changeling in that exchange, as I think she would, uh, and she yeah. she learns everything about him in its place. Mm-hmm. I could see that going. I think that the what what I think of the problem with the Link storyline, and I really like the Odo and Kira storyline, but I think what the Link is doing is the Link is a story shortcut to 
avoid having to tell the tale of Odo being swayed to the Dominion yeah. side. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. And I think that I would actually appreciate more and of a, and I think this would be interesting in terms of the Dominion because of the because of Odo's attitude and the the sacrifices we've seen him choose to make in Children of Time and everything. I think that you could write the Dominion arguing a like a point of view about life that Odo would agree with on some level, and he would start to become swayed by their argument about how they view the universe and everything mm-hmm. like that. And I think the link does away with that by basically make him making him a like pussy whipped drug addict on some level. Yeah. And it, it doesn't really feel great. It's just like you'd prefer a stronger character like Odo to be uh, sort of like taken control by his more base instincts that he's been trying mm. to fight against and the Dominion being very effective at once they've removed him from Federation influences, they can kind of sway him back that way. And I feel they just don't have the time to do that. And they just had to jump cut to Odo is now uh, a compromised entity on the station. Yeah, I, f- I think it feels disingenuous because, uh, like you said before, they've never really portrayed the linking thing as this weird uh, drug or, or you know, uh, uh, get, addictive yeah. type thing Ecstatic, that needs to yeah, happen. Yeah. You know, it's not like uh, Ponfar or something, you know? Right. Um, and I think by not establishing that, you, you take away... Um, Odo's not making a choice here that has consequences. Uh, it's it's just him, you know, making a mistake, really. And it's not... It, I think he's making a I, choice, but he's not at all pushing back against his mistake. It, it's like he, he kind of just takes this, like, light tumble down the hill and then just rolls for a long way down yeah, it. Like, it, like it, it's not really exciting. If it, was, if, it was, if it was previously established as this addictive thing, then him choosing to just you know, not consider the ramifications of it and just sort of fall into it and then end up becoming this sort of like mind controlled or, or turned character, uh, by the, um, by the effect of his own weakness, uh, uh, would feel more, more, uh, genuine. Yeah. Um, but they haven't done that. And so, at the same time, he's not really making a choice. If they, if they, if they had, weren't using the link thing as the shorthand for him turning, you would have this really interesting thing of well, then he's actually making a choice to follow it, like you were saying. If if there's a certain worldview that maybe he links, he 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 connects with or something, where he is actually making a choice within the the parameters of his character and his being that has consequences. That's interesting. But as it stands, they're not doing either of those things. So then it's just, uh, we want him to kind of go down the, the left-hand path, but we want it to be in a, in a way where we can still pull him back out, and it's not really that big of a deal. Right. Yeah, it's a, um, a problem that can easily be erased uh, by yeah, not having yeah. him link anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, it's, I think it comes back to consequences of things, right? It's, you know, my favorite thing in stories. And... It's not uh, a, a matter of, of a choice with consequences or consequences born out of previous character stuff. It's just this is what we need to do for now so we can get to point B. And it just doesn't it doesn't feel like it sits right. Yeah. It's too bad because it's um it's buoyed by some pretty good performances, I think. I think um the not visitor is very good in this. I think yep. that Kira is coming out the winner of this arc, this like serialized arc that they've been yeah, doing. Yeah, I would agree. 
Yeah. Uh, she's done really, she's had really good episodes. Her characterization makes a lot of sense uh, in a way that sometimes the other characters don't. And I think that they, like, I think that the, uh, the most modern aspect of this episode is the Odo and Kira thing. I just think that it would, it could probably be stretched out a little bit more, uh, even, even more so than it is in this episode. It could have spanned a, a little bit of a longer time, but my takeaway from the episode is that these were arcs that felt like they should have spanned a few episodes at least. And they're instead kind of, um, shuttled off to just this one sort of 45 minute thing. And you accomplish a lot in that 45 minutes. Uh, but, but outside of that, I, I think that the, I think, I think it's just an interesting sort of setup for where they are in this arc. We've got the two more after this. It's the two parter that sort of closes it out and everything. Uh, but this is, I don't know. I, I thought it was kind of, it was like a, a dull episode, but a, a very mm. interesting episode at the same time. Like it, it felt extremely low in conflict, which was kind of strange to yeah. me, even though I think that the Odo and Kira storyline is full of conflict, but it, it felt very low key for what uh, was going on. Yeah, I would agree. It, it, uh, I found myself zoning out during some of those, those Odo and, and founder sequences. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think, uh, I, while I agree with that, it feels like they're rushing through this stuff a little bit. It also doesn't feel like they're doing too much per episode, you know, in, like, in a good way. Or you mean that they need more? It's you said that as if you mean it's a, a good thing. Yeah, like I, I feel like they are moving through the beats of the story fairly quickly, but I don't think that they're making any huge jumps between episodes that that feel. Uh, illogical and also what they're actually giving you episode to episode feels uh, it doesn't feel like they're cramming too much in you know right so where you can we've we've seen seen other stuff that we we complain that they're moving too fast because they're just giving you like five episodes worth of plot in one episode so they can get to the next thing and it's like there's just so much shit in here that doesn't doesn't stick this at least feels like they're taking their time within the episode to kind of to uh, be okay this is the episode where this happens then the next episode we're going to shift it a little bit this way we're going to shift it a little bit this way and so they're kind of breaking it up and pacing it out so it is moving fast but it doesn't feel like they are just burning through it yeah yeah like i would love it i would love i think the odo and kira and the and the Tarek nor thing could be like a whole season's worth of stuff it really could it's really yeah. it's 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 been a very consistent good set of episodes for that storyline yeah. and it stands in real contrast to the starfleet just stuff just doesn't work um i have a couple of thoughts but why why do you if you'd agree why would you think that the starfleet stuff seems so much less impressive than the stuff that's going on on the station because because we don't we're not seeing anything yeah you know like they're in the middle of this big war but that you're not seeing any of it you're not really seeing the consequences of any of the battles that have been happening. You're just hearing about it off screen. Um, what would you say that you're seeing on Tarek Nor at this point? Just the change in status quo? Yeah, you've got, you know, you've got a, uh, a you've got visual uh, representations or illustrations of the power of, of the founders and, and the Cardassians uh, and, and the Jem'Hadar. There's a presence of them there. And they are actively pushing, even though you're not really see you're not really seeing them actually do anything for the most part. Um, they literally they are, just sit uh, in the bar, not drinking. Uh, it's like in yeah. canon, that's what they're doing. Yeah, but their presence is strong enough, and they are pushing back against 
uh, the status quo we're used to and specifically Kira and Odo that you're seeing the character stuff between them really do a lot of the heavy lifting. Yeah. Um, and it's a smaller story, you know, like I think, I think you could argue that you could go bigger with the story that they're telling from the Starfleet angle because the stuff they're doing on Tarek Nor is so small. Um, you know, could, you could get kind of like a big picture, small picture kind of thing. And maybe that's kind of what they're trying to do. But I think the big picture stuff is is just too, they don't have the budget to do anything with it. Yeah. But I'm not saying every episode needs to be like, you know. Cisco s- with a gun running down, a running across a field. Yeah. Yeah. Or like space battles or anything. And um, But like, there's been so much stuff that's either just relegated to the interior of the Defiant or the interior of that space station. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that it's just like, I'm kind of missing whatever's happening outside the walls of this place. Like they come back from that mission that they run and they do that thing with the phaser thing, which was not, I liked it. I liked the way it was that, that they mirrored that at the beginning at the end. You know what my problem with that, not to interrupt (laughs) my problem is, um, the, the, there was this decision to make this prop. Uh, they told the actors to act as if this thing weighs a lot for some reason. Yeah. And they have a sound effect when they put it down. It's like a dunk, dunk when they put it down. Yeah. And the actors, um, Cole Meany and Avery Brooks, are like really like acting that they're struggling to lift this thing. Terry Farrell does not get that memo. Apparently, she mm. is she's just waving hers around when she eventually picks hers up, and she just like throws it against the wall. It was like this inconsistency in the uh, the handling of why this thing would weigh so much, and all the the actors not agreeing on how much the thing is going to weigh. Yeah. Um. I mean, just put that on the list for her. Unfortunately. <laughs> well, I didn't understand why they made it heavy, and like, why make it heavy just for the dramatic effect of being like, "Oh, this is the guy up here." Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it's uh, that that stuff is nice. Like, you're getting some camaraderie stuff and all this, but like, you're not. It's. I guess it's. It's really tough to kind of pick a lane with this stuff, right? Because we've complained about. Oh well, you know, it's just another episode where they're on the ship going to do something, and then they do something and come back, and it's like, okay, well, this episode they don't do that. Yep. But you feel kind of like you're missing out, or like there's no <laughs> focus. There's no focus to the Starfleet stuff because yeah. there's no conflict other than that. Yep. Um. So it's. It's difficult to pick a lane to as to what you want out of it, but it just it just feels really. I don't know. It feels like their their coverage of the, the of the war and what they're trying to the stories they're trying to tell from the war is not completely parsed out. Like every now and then you get rocks and shoals, which is fantastic, um, but even that is a very small scale story. Uh, that is uh, a microcosm of the larger war. And that stuff works great. Yeah. You know, like, I think we've talked about this before. Um, when you get into, like, these these massive, you know, cosmic level scale stakes and stuff, the reason that stuff works is because you you wrap it around a, a small personal story. And, you know, that really boosts all that stuff up. And this doesn't have that for the Starfleet stuff in this episode, but it definitely has it for the, uh, Tarek Nor stuff. Yeah. I, I think that the, I mean, on like a, a very stupid base level, the, uh, Tarek Nor story is actually interesting the whole way through. And yeah. they've struggled to have a Starfleet story that matches that. I think the bigger, I think one of the big issues is that 
The Starfleet stuff feels like it's a normal DS9 episode where the crew is just not on the station. And the Tarek Nor stuff feels like it's a different show at that point because those characters are in like a really different situation and everything's very different for them. The the Starfleet stuff feels like any kind of away mission where they're on the Defiant for a while. And I, I think that they... The Rocks and Shoals was good because I think that they should have for the Starfleet stuff they should have focused more on the trauma of what this conflict is doing across mm-hmm. the galaxy or the, across this Alpha Quadrant or whatever. Yeah. And they, they aren't really doing that. Like it's, you know, it's Cisco being upset about his new job kind of. And it's like, yeah, does that really matter? Like at this point, like he should just kind of suck it up or like come up with a better issue for him. And I, I think that's the problem with the Starfleet stuff is that it doesn't really show the impact of this war. And I think they should have done it in more small scale stories like that. Yeah. You know, everyone seems I, pretty happy. I think they actually could have benefited from going back to the TNG style well a little bit um, by having st- like having stuff where, okay, you've got Cisco taken off command of the Defiant and he's back on the space station. So why don't you have the person above him giving the orders be someone that he doesn't agree with or that he thinks is push, pushing things too far. You know, it's like, like a, a crazy Admiral story. It doesn't have to be crazy, but like you're taking you're taking him off the Defiant and then oh, maybe the mission that they send the Defiant on is one that is kind of a suicide mission or something like right. that. And he feels like the Admiral is overstepping and yep. putting his men in danger, that kind of shit. Uh, or... It's a very agreeable you know, Admiral in this episode. He's probably yeah, the nicest he's, he's Admiral. The, he's the nicest Admiral they've ever had on any any Star Trek show. Um, and, uh, uh, I wonder if he doubles as a psychologist in his off hours. <laughs> he does a better job of it. I think he can, he can yeah. get to the bottom of Ben Cisco's psyche in a way that, uh, Cornwall, <laughs> Cornwall yeah. had some problems. You, you know, you know, there's a problem when Cisco shows up in his finest, uh, club attire to talk <laughs> about his, his inner feelings. Avery Brooks um, would look good in that black suit. I, I he would, like he would, that. he would, yeah, he'd look pretty fly. Um, but you know, like, or, or, or the, have the defiant encounter a planet or a people who have been damaged by the war in some sense, you know what I mean? Uh, I think, I think that the older style TNG stuff might have been, maybe it would have been a crutch, but I think it would have been an easy way to get into some of that stuff, uh, um, and, and show the ramifications of what actually was happening. That, that's true. It's interesting to look back on this in hindsight. I would say that the 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 serialized thread is the the Tarek Nor stuff, where all of that feels to take place in kind of a real time, where everything flows mm-hmm. from one stop to the other. If you had paired that with a more traditional, like episodic standalone story that the Starfleet guys did each time, mm-hmm. I, I think that would probably have been the best of both worlds in that situation, and they would have been able to split the difference and not make it seem like the uh, Starfleet crew stuff is really on the same level as what's going on in the station. They can kind of focus it on one of the storylines. And that would, it would actually free up the, uh, the writers in terms of who needs to be where for certain things. Yeah. Cause you could just kind yeah. of move them around as well. want, uh, want yeah. to be, uh, let's see. I think we're going to play an audio clip. We're going to come back. We're going to read some patron thoughts. We're going to give our final thoughts and then we're going to wrap up behind the lines. What the hell happened? Why didn't you disable that alarm? It's difficult to explain. Rom is sitting in a holding cell being interrogated. He was counting on you. I was counting on you. I know. You know? 
Do you realize what you just did? You just handed the Alpha Quadrant to the Dominion. I was in the link. Are you saying you forgot? I didn't forget. It just didn't seem to matter. A lot of people are going to die. Don't you care? It has nothing to do with me. How can you say that? If you could experience the link, you'd know why nothing else matters. The last five years, your life here, our friendship, none of that matters. It did, once. I wish I could make you understand, but you can't. You're not a changeling. You're right. I'm a solid. Alright everybody, so if you want to support the show, if you've enjoyed the content today, you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file and support the show there for a couple dollars a month. You get extra stuff, you help us keep the lights on, all that good stuff, and the Captain Tier supporters get a shout out. So special thanks to Andrew Cherlog, Ben Douglas, Bradley Killens, Captain Court, Cardinal Doomsday, Christian Pouch, David K, Dwayne Hackett, Eric Johnson, Yarpy, Joint Mango, Kevin Reyes, Kyle Barrett, Matt Flores, Matt Cutler, Matt Ross, Mike Burnett, Nathan Elliott, Neil Brennan, Nick Sergi, Robert Cummins, Russell Elledge, Sam Custer, Grim Santo, Sean Spinobi, Stephen Cobb, Tark Latif, and Will Yates. Thank you guys very much for your support. And now we're going to move to some patron thoughts. Support the show on Patreon. You get to leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes. We read them, and I'm going to do that right now. Zam Nuknir Wessel says, Behind the lines, Dax commanding the Defiant makes a lot of sense. And the idea of her crew fighting harder to have her uh, to... Harder to be sure she can have her wedding is appealing, but a lot like a lot of deck stuff, it may work better in theory than in practice. But I do like that even as captain, she still has to be Bashir's wing trill. That's a good point. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd I agree. I agree. Like it works better scene. in theory than practice. Yeah, I did like that scene where he, where Bashir was like, "Tell her that I am not lying." <laughs> Because I am trying to sleep with this woman. <laughs> and also, good on Dax. The Admiral's like, uh, C- Commander Dax, like, great mission. She's like, thanks, Admiral, but I have to go help Julian nail this alien uh, woman in the back over here. <laughs> good wingman. Uh, Yarpy says, behind the lines, a very nice buildup for the conclusion in the next two episodes. Quote, quiet before the storm, end quote. One of those necessary episodes in the longer arcs, which many of the new TV productions seem to forget. Gotta have the lows to contrast with the highs. Is that the most uh, positive way to say you didn't like the episode, I think? is what I'm reading there. <laughs> uh, Christian, yes. Christian Pouch says, Not a ton of action, but a lot of great character stuff. I'm not sure what to think of the stuff on the Defiant slash Starbase because it feels a little like treading water. We have Cisco giving up the Defiant and sitting in an office while others do the hard work, but I'm not sure if that's developed enough to be satisfying. The ceremony with the spent phaser coils is a bit hokey, but I like it. It's the kind of thing I could realistically see a military unit doing to keep their morale up. Starfleet crews can often seem so sterile and detached, so I like this. Also, shout out to Admiral Ross, probably the best and most reasonable Admiral Starfleet has ever had. On the station, a lot more stuff happens. The awesome brawl at the beginning, Damar working on the minefield, the resistance attempts to thwart it, and Odo's obvious manipulation by the female changeling. I think Odo's change only makes sense if you think of him like a human. Why would he betray his friends like that? But he's not human, he's an alien who thinks differently and for whom the Great Link is the crux of his entire existence and being. All in all, a very good episode. We didn't talk they about... Should... So, uh, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, they should have, uh, instead of just parading that coil around, they should have uh, filled it with Romulan ale and everybody had to drink from it. <laughs> like a Stanley Cup celebration. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we didn't talk about the uh, 
the the what the resistance is doing, which is kind of setting up the Cardassians and the Dominion to to fight with each other. Uh, they do that I, with I Damar. <laughs> the resistance, that one's resistance scene. I, I did I did really like the first one, even <laughs> even though Kira is like unrealistically narrating what's yeah, happening. Yeah, uh, explaining to the audience what exactly yeah. is going on. Yeah. I thought that was good. I like that. But the other resistance scene where they all meet up for like their potluck dinner or whatever um, reminded me of the scene from uh, Life of Brian where they have the uh, the 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 contrasting uh, religious groups who are part of the same group, but they have the slightly different name. I can't remember what the fuck it is, but they're they're just arguing over what words to use and stuff like yeah, that. It's, yeah. a, it's much funnier than I just said. Look it up. Good movie. <laughs> they're on Netflix at this point. I think the um, the Damar setup thing is a it's it's kind of along the lines of like the uh, the Odo's like don't worry I linked with her but I didn't tell anything. So Damar writes up this like high school shooter manifesto about how he's going to kill everybody. <laughs> they find it and they're just like, hey, why are you leaving this stuff laying around, buddy? Like th- this is not cool. There, it seemed like there was. Not enough and ramifications. Then he, gets promoted. he gets promoted. Yeah, it's it's not like they're like, wow, you really f that up, Demar. Like, way to way to expose the fact that you want to murder our entire, uh, you know, uh, ally over here. It, it was a little bit of a strange setup, but he gets promoted. Yeah, and you learn that he likes to drink. Yeah, uh, we didn't even talk about Rom getting uh, caught doing that thing at the end there. Uh, I, the the dark side of me was thinking like, oh, they're just gonna execute him. In in a modern TV show, I think that's how you sell what Odo has done, right? Rom yeah. dies because of that, yeah. and yep. here they're kind of they're kind of held back by the fact that Rom has to continue to exist on this series. Yeah. Um. Let's see here. Behind the lines. Where is it? There it is. Character conflicts in a military Starfleet. If Roddenberry had survived to this point, then this episode would have killed him. I think <laughs> the stuff on DS Nine is great. This is Kyle Barrett, by the way, if I didn't say. I buy Odo's choices, and Kira proves to be the standout character of this arc. However, I'm much more conflicted on the Cisco storyline. I think it's fine, but they could have gone so much deeper. I would have loved for the show to take full advantage of this arc and draw parallels between the Starfleet space station and DS9 through the eyes of Cisco. Instead of the conflict of Cisco's reassignment being about generically worrying about his ship and officers, I would have preferred it to be about him feeling resigned that he's no closer to retaking DS9 is no longer in a position to do so and has now found a home on a new space station. Cisco's inner conflict seems to be misplaced to me, but even so, it's another solid episode that gets us ready for what's to come. That's a good idea, to treat the station as a, like, not-quite-DS9 spot. Mm. Because uh, you can play into the emissary and everything like that there. Will Yates, behind the lines, I loved Wayun's mannerism when the Cardassians were leaving the bar and again at Dukat's impiety to the founder when they first meet. Combs really knows how to chew the scenery. Rom falls effortlessly into that idiot savant role. I was really surprised with how much more there was to this episode on a rewatch of the series. Andrew Cherlog behind the lines. This is the last one. One last question. Does the Dominion really not bug the quarters of people living on the station? Kira and company really seem to have a lot of easy conversation as they plan a revolt. Groundwork episode yeah, setting up tension. They do that thing like we're in the... the- the spy movies where they put like the record player on really loud. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just put, just put some white noise into the room. Yeah. Groundwork episode setting up tension for the retake of DS nine, a solid episode. Thank you patrons. Thank you for leaving your thoughts. Thank you for supporting the show. Clay on a scale of one to five. What are you going to give behind the lines? Um, give it a three. Yeah. I'd give it a three too. Although I feel like my three here has to make me retroactively give sons and daughters a two. Kind of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
I think this is better yeah, than Sons okay. and Daughters, the the Klingon yeah. episode. Yeah. But it, I think it's, I think it's the three. I, I really like the station stuff, uh, outside of those sort of weird plot mechanics that they're doing with Odo. But I like like the point that they're trying to get to, and the the Starfleet stuff doesn't really feel all that spectacular. It feels very run of the mill. Yeah, I, I'm curious to see uh, um, as we go on whether or not my my ratings have really leveled off because it feels like it, it feels like it's starting to get into that point where it's like I can't really unless there's a fantastic one or a terrible one I can't really divide uh, yeah divide you can't tell yeah. a four and a two from the threes and the fives yeah 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 I um it's it's unique too because of how the serialized nature is impacting that a little bit um once they stop doing that i think that it becomes a little bit easier but you you do kind of base like well it all kind of depends on what they do in the next episode with how i give yeah. this one um so we'll see how that comes but i'm going to give this one a three as well uh, i'll keep sons and daughters at a three and we'll wrap it up with the uh the two-parter finale which is favor the bold and sacrifice of angels i believe let me confirm that favor the bold sacrifice of angels yep that's the two-parter that wraps it up all right we're done Thank you guys very much for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. You can click all the links down below, those social media, Discord, Patreon, all that stuff. Thank you very much for listening, guys, and thank you for supporting the show. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? Uh, when does this come out? This comes out tomorrow. So Tuesday, we've got uh, Bat-Ass is coming back for season two. Um, it's the Batman the Animated Series show that I do with Sean Murphy, where we cover Batman the Animated Series. That's going to be starting again on Tuesday. Uh, we're going to be doing a weekly format instead of dumping them all, so that'll be fun. And uh, next month in July, I'm going to be running a Kickstarter for a comic book I'm going to be doing called Bloody Hell, so keep your eyes and ears open for that. Sure. So we got Badass coming out tomorrow, and then uh, every every Tuesday probably after that for a little while. And then clay's uh kickstarter we'll post more information about that when that happens so thank you very much guys for listening thank you for supporting the show and we'll see you next time with favor the bold and sacrifice of angels which we're going to be doing in a single podcast see you